<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, you seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 scores. Scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't know. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, got you. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best. Best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls starts now. The Locked on Bulls podcast. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Matt, happy Tuesday to you. Did you uh, did you get a chance to watch Zion versus Ja last night? What did you think of the games? And uh, I was pretty entertained, to say the very least. I was uh, I was excited to see both of those young guys go at it back and forth. And uh, we got to see a little bit more out of Zion Williamson than we did the previous two games. But how are you, and how did you enjoy last night's game? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Doing well? Uh, yeah, I, I watched a, a fair amount of the uh, NBA action yesterday, including that Zion versus Ja matchup, uh, which was pretty entertaining. Um, and credit to... Zion for uh, making some big buckets down the stretch of that game. It was pretty close. It was neck and neck until the Pelicans kind of pulled away there at the very end uh, in a win that they desperately needed, uh, you know, because they got steamrolled by the Clippers. They lost the game they should have won against Utah last week. Um, and, and you know, they're, they're theoretically trying to, to catch Memphis for that eighth seed. So gaining a full game on them was a big win for them. And uh, unlike their, their loss to Utah, we actually saw Zion playing those big minutes in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, that was a big hubbub about their, their game uh, to, to tip off the NBA restart was they were in a winnable game, a close game. It's the fourth quarter, and Zion is sitting on the bench. And we all knew that there would maybe be some minutes restrictions or they might play it a little bit safe because of the fact that, you know, he had to leave the bubble and come back and had to quarantine and wasn't really in like the the rhythm of even having the two week, you know, like mini camp that they got once they got to the bubble. Uh, and they're, of course, going to be careful with their franchise player. Um, but it was nice to see in, in another tight game that, uh, you know, the the number one overall pick and one of the bright young stars in the league was actually out there on the floor making plays in the fourth quarter. Watching the back end and even in, into overtime, the Nuggets and Thunder game, I was very. That was that was probably the best game all day, as I was watching that, and I was a little disappointed with uh, Sixers and Spurs went back and forth. I was a little disappointed in that game, and then same thing with the Lakers and Jazz at night. Uh, but that Nuggets Nuggets Thunder game, and then we were recording at the time that the Raptors Heat game was going on, but that ended up to be a really good game as well. Uh, so we'll continue to keep our eyes on that. Matt, a couple of Bulls things I wanted to touch on before we kind of go back to what we were talking about yesterday with Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markinen and whether or not the Bulls are going to decide to listen on offers for those guys, whether they're going to listen on offers for Levine, 
who's more likely to be traded and just get kind of a feel of what the value is and what teams would be interested. Uh, we did that sort of with Carter yesterday and kind of would do that with marketing today. Uh, but two things. Let's go to uh, let's go to BJ Armstrong first. He I heard him talking about the current day NBA and whether or not teams that are at the bottom of the NBA, how do they create themselves and how do they make themselves a free agent destination? And Chicago came up, of course, talking about the Bulls and also talking a little bit about New York. But uh, this is coming straight from the mouth of a, a an agent in the league right now and somebody who's played in this city before. Uh, so take a listen to what B.J. Armstrong had to say. You know, we had uh, one of your former teammates, Scotty Pippen, on last week. And he brought something up and it made us think about the Knicks and some of these other bigger markets that have not been free agent destinations. And Pippen said, you know, straight up, Chicago's not a free agent destination right now. Now, we know that that's the case because free agents aren't going there. How does Chicago, kind of just like New York, how do they become free agent destinations? Because it's a, it's a marquee city. Obviously, the team is... Is, is well known. You're a champion there, so you know it well. How does it get back that mojo that it once had? Well, you know, you know, those are, uh, you know, it's always funny as I hear, you know, there, this place is a, you know, free agent destination. You know, it's very simple. This, this league is about winning. And when you have good players, you know, other good players want to play with other good players or great players. And, you know, it's, it's, it's no secret to the formula of the NBA of what it's all about. You know, great players have to be great and role players have to play their role great. So right now, you know, a place like Chicago, I think they have young talent, but they don't have uh, what I would consider, you know, a talent where people are saying, you know, I want to play with them and I can see how that could fit in and move on and, and play. You know, people want to play with LeBron James and people want to play with, with Giannis and Kawhi Leonard and, and, and they'll figure it out, you know, wherever they're at. You know, you watch, look at Russell Westbrook, and they're hooked up there now with, with James Harden. So, you know, players want to play with other players. And right now, you know, I think Chicago has young developing talent. You know, Zach Levine is certainly one of those players. I thought Colby White showed signs this year. But, you know, it's funny when you get a great player, they'll, they'll come and play anywhere, you know. They'll come play in Cleveland. They'll come play in Milwaukee. You know, it, the, the, the narrative changes when you have a great player playing in any place. So I think until that happens, you know, Chicago is a great market. We certainly see the potential and we know what it could be. You know, when you have players like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, you know, it's, it's funny how that works out when people just want to come and uh, do what they have to do to really play alongside another great player. So that was B.J. Armstrong on CBS Radio. So, Matt, there was two things that I kind of questioned when he was talking about that and didn't give us a whole lot of analysis into the Bulls or free agent market, but it's the same type of conversations we were having four years ago when Butler was still here and we had aging Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. Those are the exact same types of conversations we were having with players that around the league players wanted to play with. They wanted the guys want to clearly play with Jimmy Butler. So I, I just I don't understand how we go from four years ago to this point now and still having the exact same conversations when somebody like BJ Armstrong, an agent in the league is telling me it's all about winning when it's clearly not. And I can go even back to 2010 and go back to 2010 when the bulls struck out on the top free agent class there. And they had winning players at that time too. So I don't know. It's, it goes beyond, I think 
to me, it goes beyond just the winning part of it. And I get the superstar power does draw a lot of people, but still, the Bulls have had two or three guys here over the last 10 years and still haven't been able to draw free agents. So there's something about the city or this team or the way this organization is doing things that they can't draw free agents. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a simple thing to point out, but I think BJ is right in that when you're talking about why players go to certain teams and certain markets, in today's NBA, it is mostly about what other all-star caliber players they want to team up with and play with and be teammates with. Um, a lot of that is built on the friendships that are created among the top talent players in the league at various events. All-Star Weekend, maybe their teammates for USA Basketball for either, you know, uh, FIBA World Cup or, or the Olympics. And we, we know that that's how several of these super teams in the last five to ten years have been formed is because of those bonds that are created. But those bonds are created by players at the top level who have those opportunities to interact and talk with one another and become friendly with one another off the court. And the simple fact that BJ pointed out is that the Bulls do not have any players at that level right now. And they haven't since they traded Jimmy. Because, you know, Jordan, I'm sure you remember, I think it was maybe Jimmy's last season with the Bulls. And he was an all-star and he was doing all-star, you know, weekend interviews. And he was on that TV show, The Starters. And they were talking to him about, hey, you know, who would you like to play with? And Jimmy said, Kyrie. He said, you know, I think, you know, Kyrie and I could make a really solid duo. Uh, I love Kyrie's game. I, you know, I think we would be really successful together. Um, and, and, you know, that got Bulls fans a little excited just at the at the mere thought of, wow, like Jimmy and Kyrie, that would be awesome. Never happened. Nothing ever materialized. We, we heard nothing about the Bulls in any, you know, in any way going after Kyrie, trying to talk to Kyrie's people, trying to figure out if Cleveland was interested in moving him at the time because there was all that friction between Kyrie and LeBron. Nothing. But that was the last time we even had a player worthy of such a discussion. And we won't have the how can we get, you know, player X all-star to come to Chicago until we have a different all-star here. The other option is swinging big a year from now when the Bulls have a lot of money cleared off their books and hoping that maybe you free up enough sp space to land two and you have to lure them together like the Heat did successfully with the big three back in 2010. See, to me, the way that B.J. Armstrong talks there and the way that I think about this team, and it's no secret, but I think the way that you get yourself out of this gutter, and it doesn't just go for the Bulls, it goes for the Knicks too, and it goes for any other team that's kind of suffering with not being able to sign for high-quality free agents. So you have to build within first. You have to get, create your own superstar. And that can take a long time. That can take a really long time to do. And the Bulls have gotten lucky. I mean, they got lucky with Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose, although it was a short, short timing, and he was a superstar for two, three, four years. And the Bulls were, with, were able to push themselves ahead and gain luck by being able to develop him. And it was also lucky that they got the number one pick too. But guys like Jimmy Butler too, he turned himself into a star. And when you do that, and he wasn't at the time when he was here with the Bulls, the debate was always, well, whether Jimmy Butler can be a number one or a number two player. Can he lead your team? You'd be the top team, top player on your team, but you need to build within to get away from these conversations that the Bulls are a part of. And so are the Knicks. And 
guys just don't want to go to New York as much as there's a fantasy about having the money available. Uh, and we see other Photoshop pictures. Even it's funny to look at the Bulls ones. But the Knicks are so infamous for that. And they're disappointed year after year after year after nobody ends up wanting to go there. So to me, I feel like watching this, it starts with, with building within. And I think the Bull, the Bulls right now have the most shots to take in terms of hoping one of these guys turns out to be that guy, whether it be Zach Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markkinen. Uh, compared to the, say, Knicks roster, I don't know, man. That Knicks roster maybe only has two shots at guys like that that have, I don't know, have a slight chance at a ceiling that high and be talking about, like, Mitchell Robinson. RJ and Mitchell. Yeah, that would be the, those would be the only yeah. two guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree that the Bulls have a, a higher likelihood of one of their young pieces of talent turning into a all-star, borderline superstar caliber player that can attract other big-name stars in free agency more so than the Knicks. But BJ is right to say that right now the Bulls have no such players. Zach is the closest they have. He's a guy who averaged 25 points per game this season, put up some monster performances, you know, like you know, was one of those players that had a, you know, a handful of 40-point games um, doing those really impressive things that only the elite scorers in the league can do, but it still isn't enough. I think he is right, though, about the win part of it, and maybe that, maybe that propels the player that's on the team to more of a superstar level, and it helps with the attractiveness. And I read an article, Zach Levine is part of the NBA's, I think he's the top 25 worst winning percentages of any player in history, which is just awful to read. I'll have to go back and pull that. I think he was 16th, though, in winning percentage. He had like a 29% winning percentage, uh, which isn't good, which isn't good at all. Uh, so I don't know, man. That's why I'm saying like, be cautious about... So you want to trade everybody and load up on free agency and having a ton of money because I think the Bulls haven't, nobody on this team has proved anything yet. And you have all that money and you don't want to walk away with your pockets full and, and nobody to sign and everybody else is on different teams. That just is what scares me when you put all your chips into free agency in just a year with such a new front office and still a lot of question marks with this roster. Um, Matt, it kind of leads us into our conversation about Lowry Markkinen, but before I get to that, I want to tell our listeners about CBDMD, our new friends at CBDMD. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. Two of their amazing products that they sell is CBD Freeze with Menthol. It's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. Uh, so this is perfect post-workouts. Maybe you're having some cramps, some tightness in your back, or any of the muscles on any part of your body. This rolls on. It's got a cooling sensation. It'll relax those muscles. And uh, made with CBD. CBD Recover is also combined with CBD for inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need when it matters most. And it, and it makes it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer. They're offering 
our listeners 25% off their next order when you use promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase. Superior CBDM oil products from CBDMD. Use the promo code NBA for 25% off. Matt, did you see the uh did you see the quote from Thomas Sadaransky maybe the other day uh, talking about Jim Boylan? Somebody in the Czech Republic when he was on radio asked him, uh, one of the fans asked him how he felt about his first year in Chicago and how he liked playing under Jim Boylan. Did you see this quote? Oh, I very much did, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, my favorite part was uh, when he's beginning his answer, he says, so how would I say it diplomatically? It's like... It's the latest episode of a Bulls player trying not to be overly mean, trashing Jim Boylan when asked to assess his job performance. He was asked by a young Bulls fan on this radio station in in, uh, the Czech Republic about Jim Boylan. Sado, quote, uh, he begins with a sharp question and laughs. So how would I say it diplomatically? Uh, It definitely wasn't an easy season for the coach because this was his first season as a head coach in the NBA. Nobody was doing well, so there was huge pressure on him. The fans do not forgive, and the coach is generally the one who's the first on the firing line. They just don't forgive Jim, and I certainly don't want to throw dirt at him because I know how hard he works to win games. But the season wasn't a successful one, and unfortunately, that's the only thing the fans see. That I mean, that that's a pretty nice guy answer, but it's also not... Other than saying that Jim works hard... It wasn't very complimentary. Him and Zach Levine must be taking the same course or something. But Zach Levine's more slighted about it, though. You know, even in his one Zoom conference this summer, we heard Zach Levine say, you knew I was going to answer that question right, huh? So anybody you ask, Matt, anybody you ask, there's some negatives there you can tell. They just don't want to say anything bad about the guy. And to some extent, I can kind of understand that because a dude that works his ass off and actually cares about some stuff like he's genuinely thinking he's doing the right thing, whether we all think it's bonkers and isn't the right thing for this team. He's putting in the hard work, and that's the one thing I don't think you can criticize about Boylan is whoever is asked. It's he, he he's not he's not touted as a lazy guy. So I don't know whoever you ask, Sadaransky or Zach Levine or Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markinen or Kobe White, they all seem to have sort of that diplomatic answer, unless. Unless you're just completely fed up with the guy and you go and ask a guy like Denzel Valentine or even last year Jabari Parker, they won't have so such nice things to say about him. But it's just another guy that is on this team that goes, yeah, I've been here for a year and I kind of feel bad for the guy, but we sucked and the fans are critical. And the one thing I don't think maybe a lot of players realize is how passionate Bulls fans are and how critical it can be when it's difficult to play here and maybe not everybody's equipped to kind of deal with that. I mean, it it is, uh, I guess it's not necessarily uh, fair for the Bulls players to have to make this part of their job is like constantly having to answer these questions about the competence or lack thereof of their coach as, as the entire world is wondering why the heck, uh, Jim is still employed. Um, and again, you know, credit to Sato for answering it diplomatically and as the same as Zach Levine has done, as the same as Daniel Gafford did recently, even although he was somewhat critical saying, you know, there are ways that Jim can improve as a coach, as a human being, but, you know, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash the guy. I'm not gonna hate on the guy. Um, the the overarching theme is that this is the, the latest example of a Bulls player biting their tongue a little bit in a way that's fairly obvious. And you know, you and I went over it at length last week talking about the front office's perspective of this, ownership's perspective of this, and whether or not this will, in fact, become a players-first organization. Because if they are ignoring every player on the roster that has a grievance with Jim or thinks that there could be somebody better at the job, and right now, with Sato as the latest example, we're at pretty much everyone on the roster. I, you know, I don't think we've heard Archie say anything bad about him yet. I don't think we've heard Shaq Harrison say anything bad about him yet. I don't think we've heard Adam Makoka say anything bad about him yet. That's about it. So, are they going to listen to these players? Are they going to listen to these players? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Haven't heard anything from Felicio either. That's another guy. Can he talk? Maybe that's (laughs) why we... When have we ever heard from Felicio? (laughs) That's true. All right, Jordan, before we get to our Lowry Markkinen talk, I uh, want to remind our listeners that today's show is brought to you in part by my bookie. Say it with me now, sports fans. Sports are back. I've been waiting for this day since March. Jordan, I know you have. I'm sure our listeners have as well. Now that it's here, I've got only one thing on my mind, my bookie. My bookie is a home run, a slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with Major League Baseball in full swing, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Maybe it's Cubs, maybe it's Sox. Be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them right now as the season is just getting underway. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, heartbreaker for the Blackhawks last night, and hopefully, fingers crossed, football. My bookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 in MLB future wages. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Payne almost lost his balance off all those crossovers. (laughs) All right, let's go to Lowry Marketing now. Talked a little bit about Carter yesterday. A lot of opinions about Carter, and it seems to be, and it makes sense, but it seems to be, at least from what I'm hearing, Bulls fans would be much more in favor of keeping Carter in moving positions and having him be moved to the four and seeing what you can get for Lowry Markkinen. And that just might be because we've seen two down seasons from Lowry Markkinen. We've seen more on the floor from him, but again... I don't know. I don't know how hesitant the front office is going to be to deal him. And I guess where we should start is what is his value, Matt? What is the value of a big guy, a, a big man that has two left, two years left on his rookie deal, and has been hurt in a couple different occasions? Hasn't seen too much consistency, but you know the shooting is unbelievable and it's there. And 
I think he just needs a confidence boost and maybe a, a team dealing for him could do could do a lot for him if he's put on the market. So what do you think the value is if the Bulls decided to say start listening to offers on market and where do you think you would set it at? Um, it's tough to say. Um, all I know is that his value right now is the lowest it's ever been since he came into the league because of the season he just had. I mean, you look at his numbers this season compared to last season, and they are down across the board. We were thinking, you know, this time last year, we were getting excited for a third season that might see him excel into an all-star caliber player, a guy who was close to averaging 20 and 10 in his second NBA season and thinking we might finally actually see that level of progression and an all-star caliber season. Unfortunately, it went the other way, and it went the other way aggressively. So when it comes to trying to put a value on his head as far as what he might bring back or demand in a trade, to me, the most likely scenario is when a player is kind of struggling to take that next progression progression step in their young NBA career, but there still is a lot of belief around their ceiling and their potential. It's usually a young player for young player swap uh, with two teams who feel like maybe that player just needs a fresh start and a different environment and a different organization and a different group of players around them. And so they just say, okay, well, this this young player of ours isn't quite working out. This player of yours isn't quite working out. Let's, let's flop them. And depending on how much production there is in that other player in supposed trade, then one of those teams will likely throw in some kind of pick. And depending on how off balance we see those two young, um, promising but unfulfilled players to be, maybe it's a first round pick, maybe it's a protect, protected first round pick, maybe it's a, a second round pick, maybe it's a future pick with various protections on it. To me, that's the most likely scenario with Lowry. I don't see him as a player you're going to get like a package for right now. There's one thing about Markinen. And I'm looking up salary. Looking up salaries, the one thing that I think you can do is I think you can position yourself in a way with a team that might feel handicapped and they need to do something right now and they've got a lot of assets, but they can't move those assets because maybe one, the player's making way too much money. Two, uh, they kind of are stuck in limbo similar to where the Bulls were a few years ago. The one team that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about, but the one team that intrigues me, and I wanted to see how much money he was making. Yeah, that's still a lot of money. But, uh, I mean, if the if the Pistons are ready to hit reset again on, on what they're doing and just build off of the young guys, would you, would you be opposed to at least thinking about bringing in a guy like Blake Griffin if it took a package of having to trade marketing off? There's your star power next to Levine. And maybe you trade auto with it to match the money, and you're right there. Blake Griffin makes $36.8 million next year, and he's got an option on his contract for 38.9 in 2021-22. So he'd be off the books at the same time Levine would be. So even if this short project didn't work out, you would still have a ton of money to spend around that $50 million that we were talking about. I mean, I I think it would take more than than Lowry and a, like. I think the Bulls would have to send the, the Pistons. Uh, two of their young players in addition to matching salary with Blake to make that trade happen. Um, whether that be Lowry and Wendell, Lowry and Kobe, Wendell and Kobe, maybe Zach is involved, uh, unless you know the Bulls are insistent on getting a star to play along with Zach and keeping Zach. 
Uh, but then I'm I'm guessing the Pistons would would demand two of the uh, of the other. The other element of that to me is, yes, he comes off the books at the same year as Zach, assuming you pair those together and then you can reassess, but it also does complicate your current window of having a bunch of money available in the summer of 2021 or, you know, the off season of 2021, assuming this pushback schedule. Um, is, is that worth it? Is, ta- is rolling the dice on an aging star like Blake Griffin worth it? Yeah, Blake's only 30. But you look at the games played over his handful of seasons recently. He only played 18 games this season. Credit to him, last year he played 75, uh, and he was pretty strong. But prior to that, 58 games, 61 games, 35 games, 67 games. The dudes, the dudes had a lot of issues with injuries throughout his career. And do you want to see what it's like pairing him with Zach Levine for two seasons and by doing so, give up on your flexibility in the 2021 mega free agent class. I'm, I'm not sure if I would make that that uh, wager. I find it interesting that you say that you think it would take two of the young Bulls players in order to, to take Blake Griffin away from the Pistons. I'm shocked by that. Maybe I'm underestimating the value of Blake Griffin when he's healthy. But that's just the thing, man, is he's hurt all the time. And he's hurt, too. It's seemingly it hurt in critical times when the Pistons need him, right? He always gets an injury in the playoffs. Uh, I would have to go back and look to see how much time Blake Griffin has missed since he's joined Detroit. Uh, But I feel like Detroit is one of those teams kind of hanging in limbo, right? They don't really know what they want to do. They They got Derrick Rose. They've got Blake Griffin. They've got a couple nice young pieces on that team, too. And they're semi-competitive, hanging out in the 7th or 8th seat every year. But is that really where you want to be long-term for a team like that? And believe me, if if you went to Detroit and started asking about Blake Griffin, I'm willing to bet a lot of them would be willing to get off of his money to kind of hit the reset button. They feel like they're in limbo, sort of where, where the Bulls were with Butler uh, a handful of years ago so that's why I was interested but if it's going to take two young guys I'm I'm out I'm out on that or if it's going to take marketing plus our pick at number seven this year wherever it ends up this year if that's what it's going to take and you're still going to have to match salaries too so I was thinking Lowry marketing Otto Porter and maybe a conditional first round pick to get Blake Griffin back and even that would I'd be hesitant about, but then yeah, you would you would just have to be you would be thinking about changing the ultimate trajectory of where this rebuild is. But once again, Matt, I don't think there's a clear path about where this rebuild's headed, uh, especially with the new front office. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be against that being their strategy, uh, because it would certainly be different than what ha- has been tried and failed several times over by the previous regime. Because when did the Bulls acquire a star via trade under Paxson and Gar? I'm struggling to think of an example. Um, can you think of one? See, Matt, that's where I go. I, I don't want to sit in the summer of 2021 or even the summer of 2022 and have all this money to spend and then one right after the other after the other after the other signs at all these different teams and we're standing here with our our hand our hand between our legs and being like what are we doing here we're playing pool pocket not spending any money 
And we've been in this situation too many times in the recent past to be disappointed again and just say, well, we got to shift our focus again and we've got flexibility. I don't want to hear any more of that. It's either you can get guys here to sign and AK and Eversley are that change. It's made so much of a change that they can go out and prove to Bulls fans that they can actually draw free agents here with or without talent. And I think you do have talent here. So I think the front office is at an advantage, but... I think the most logical move, and I think AK and Eversley already see this, is to go and trade for your star. That's that's the most that's the easiest way the Bulls can propel themselves from this land of nobody wants to play here. And they're they're on the island with the Knicks and a few other teams on that short list. Even some other teams that we ne- I never thought were going to be able to sign free agents have all of a sudden taken a short jet off of this plane, such as Phoenix and a few other teams that I'm just like. I don't know how players are wanting to sign with that team but don't want to come play here for the Bulls. So that's, I think, the easiest easiest path to propel yourself off of this island with the Knicks about not being able to sign free agents is you go and trade for somebody. And I think that's why we've been having these conversations over the last several weeks about Levine, Carter, Markinen, and their trade values and where what teams would be interested in the, those guys going forward depending on the plan that the front office has coming in over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, i I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be against that being their strategy, uh, because it would certainly be different than what ha- has been tried and failed several times over by the previous regime. Because when did the Bulls acquire a star via trade under Paxson and Gar? I'm struggling to think of an example. Um, can you think of one? Uh, a, a trade in which they made a deal for another star to come here. Yeah, they brought a star to Chicago in a trade. Ben Wallace was a free agent signing. Powell was a free agent signing, if you want to call him a star. He was he was a legit star for his oh, two definitely. seasons with the Bulls. I don't care what anybody says. I think Powell was a star that year. He had his, one of his best years of his career here in Chicago. Yeah, I, he, he was all NBA. Absolutely. But he was a free agent signing. Damn. Kyle, Kyle Korver wasn't a star. None of those guys that they traded for, those were all role players, which the Bulls were good at. They were good at trading for guys that could fit a role. Mike Dunleavy Jr., um, I mean, you name it. No, you're right. If anything, it's been Well, they, they did trade for Mello. They did trade for Mello. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and they traded for campaign. So those are the two <laughs> stars that, that, that John Paxson gets credit for trading for. Uh, so that's, that's the thing is... AK and Eversley, if they want to want to propel themselves out of this, I think they got to trade. And may, maybe I leave it with this, and Bulls fans can answer us too, Matt. And it doesn't have to be your definitive end-all, be-all. I have to stay with this, this uh, thought for the next several months. But at this point right now, if you're the Bulls front office, who are you more comfortable dealing? Are, are, you, are you more comfortable with dealing Carter and Markinen and keeping Levine and White for the future? Or are you more comfortable with dealing those two guys and seeing what max value you can get onto your best player in Levine and maybe keep Carter and Markinen around or have to deal Carter or Markinen? So I guess out of those that pool of three players, what are you more comfortable doing and, and what are you more comfortable with keeping in the future? Um, it's, it's a tough call because I really like Zach and I would hate to see him go. I do believe that he can be a leading piece of talent on a winning team. And he's got 
two very team friendly deals left on his uh, years left on his deal. For that reason, though, I think he might be the most valuable piece if you wanted to sell now. Um, and if you did so, that would mean getting Levine's deal off the books and maybe you do it for an expiring contract and then a young player with some some real potential and promise and maybe you know maybe a draft pick as well. Then you're talking about Levine's 19 and a half million coming off the books and along with Otto Porter Jr.'s money coming off the books, you're you're in the neighborhood. And then Felicio, you're upwards of $50 million in available cap space in 21 and have kept a core of Lowry, Wendell, and Kobe. Now, I mean, I'm just saying that as far as what the front office might be looking at to maximize their own rebuild and how best to proceed, that might be what they're looking at, and it might be why there's so much smoke around Zach Levine's name right now. Yeah, you pair that on top of the uncertainty about Jim Boylan, too, which can... If there's a decision made about him, I mean, that can immediately spark Zach Levine going to the front office and saying, all right, I'm done. Uh, it's been a good time here. Thanks for letting me get healthy again, but I can't. I, I, I don't want to lose anymore, and I can't deal with the head coach anymore. It's just we have too many battles. Find, find a trading spot for me. And I think marketing could even have that same similar conversation with the front office. And Matt, honestly, I don't think there's a... I think there's an outside chance that that Carter could have that same conversation too. So you have three guys that could have the exact same conversations with their front office about being unhappy, either whether it being their position, their playing time, their role, or just straight up sick of losing and sick of dealing with this. So I can kind of understand that if it's me, again, I've talked about how difficult it is to find the players of Zach Levine's caliber. I mean, did we not deal with this with Jimmy Butler once before where we were like, okay, it's, he's a board, he's not the guy that's going to get us past anything. So we've got to deal him now to get the most value. And then a year later, we're like, holy shit, I wish we didn't trade Jimmy Butler. It's harder to find those guys than we thought. I just hope we don't do the same thing over again with Zach Levine. It may be to a lesser extent, but um, I guess I would have a conversation first with Zach Levine and ask him what a long-term contract looks like for him. What does restructuring his deal right now and and signing an extension, what does that look like for him? What does he think he's worth? And what are the Bulls worth? What are the Bulls willing to spend considering the money for Otto coming off and a few other players leaving them basically rich in 40 or $50 million in cap space? And if it's too rich for the Bulls and they don't think that they're on that path yet, especially with the new front office, then maybe he is the best course to deal. But I would say dealing Zach Levine would be on my short list of last last resorts unless you're going to blow this thing completely up and the front office is going to start brand new. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's, that's what's going to be very uh, curious to see unfold is just how much the new front office is going to come in and try to shift this rebuild while keeping significant pieces of the, of its core intact or basically blow it up and say, this rebuild isn't working, we're here to start over. Um, and, you know, if, if they were to do that, then I'm assuming that also will include them telling the Reinsdorfs, chill out, let us do our jobs, and let us hire our own goddamn coach. And then let us build our roster. That's why you brought us here, is it not? 
So I don't know. I still think, and you know, I think we talked about this a little bit last week too. Of course, Eversley and AK are speaking highly of the young talent on this roster. And that doesn't necessarily inform their decision on wanting to keep them or just wanting to prop up their trade value. So we're going to kind of just have to wait it out because we've got, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, some more play-in games and then the NBA playoffs. Full best-of-seven series NBA playoffs still to come before we get to the offseason and we can figure out just what exactly AK's plans are. I think the draft, I think the draft lottery can change a lot of things too, Matt. So if you're looking for immediate, <laughs> I guess, immediate disappointment or if you look at glass half full some positivity going into the off season we've got that in august so maybe the bulls jump from seven to four or maybe they jump to the top three we can only imagine across our fingers that that would happen if that happens i think conversations start to shift a little bit and you start talking about one of the top three players in in the draft uh especially if ak says that he doesn't think the draft is weak uh, that could that could be make for an interesting offseason as well so I guess you're right we'll have to see and there's guys that we can talk about too that I think the Bulls probably will deal and can get decent value for but it's not going to be the packages you'd get for any of those three players we just talked about Uh, but if you have an opinion hit us up with 331-979-1369 drop your text your voicemails Anything you got for us, we're on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Also at our Gmail, LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. If you want to send us a question, you have a longer thoughts, so want to talk about any of these trades, or what do you think the best path is for the Bulls if they do decide that they have to move one or two of these pieces on this team in order to kind of restructure and rebuild. 331-979-1369. It's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors in CBDMD, and also my bookie for sponsoring today's episode and being partners with us here at locked on bulls and the locked on podcast network for matt peck i'm jordan malley bulls nation have a wonderful day be back tomorrow with a fresh episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba for more content and to stay up to date head over to lockedonbulls.com 